Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. This podcast is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. Chris, are you prepared for today's discussion? I actually am. I'm looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have today. We've all known those times that we've been caught unprepared, (laughs) unprepared for a task. A few weeks ago, we were getting set up for a podcast and... um, Right when you get ready to hit record, um, you had kind of a surprise. Well, that's correct. And it actually has also to do with the podcast we're doing right now. We've had to reschedule some podcasts, so I was already prepared for today. And uh, a few weeks ago, if you've been listening to our podcast, we had a guest, Gina Rogers, on as we talked about the third session of this study from Daniel. And as we get ready to start recording, they all of a sudden, we're not on the same page. And I realized I was prepared to talk about the podcast we're about to do. All my notes were for today and not for three weeks ago. So there was a little bit of, they were prepared and I wasn't. So yes, there. I have known those times when I have been unprepared for a task. And Chris, I think we we uh, we covered it pretty well. Uh, thanks to you and Gina being prepared. Well, we gave you a minute to look, and we don't always get that opportunity. And sometimes we just have to fly by the seat of our pants. And uh, it actually came off really well. Uh, but that that's what happens sometimes when we're when we're not prepared. Uh, we just have to wing it. We have to figure it out on the fly. Joining us for the podcast today, Dr. Brian Gass, who serves as the content editor for the adult uh, resources and Bible studies for life. Brian, thank you for being with us for this podcast. Thanks so much. I'm always happy to join you guys on this. So we are in the sixth session of this study that's come from the book of Daniel. We're going to be looking today, he's talking about being unprepared. We want to see the importance of being prepared when it comes to spiritual battle. So this is the last session of our uh, study, Staying True in a World Far from God and Daniel, the book of Daniel. All of our sessions have come from the book of Daniel. So uh, this is a this is a fitting conclusion for us. Yes, and so we're going to be in Daniel chapter ten. Uh, but before I start reading uh, this passage here, Brian, set us up here. Give us a little bit of the context of what has happened right up to Daniel chapter ten. Sure. Let me just give a quick overview. Uh, y'all remember that Daniel was taken to Babylon as a youth, along with some other young people of noble lineage and King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, It was under his reign that this occurred. Um, Then Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and only Daniel could interpret it. And so uh, we get, we begin to get a sense that this fellow Daniel is, uh, is a a uniquely gifted individual. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar made a decree of universal idolatry seemed to be uh, common in among the kings over there, and uh, Daniel's three young friends, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were thrown into the fiery furnace. And then uh, old King Neb had another dream, and it ends up driving him to madness. Later, Belshazzar becomes king for a short time until the writing on the wall that has become uh, such a colloquialism among uh, all of us and Daniel is uh, kind of pulled uh, back to the forefront again in his older years. And then we see Daniel under Darius the Mede, who was 
apparently also wanted to be worshipped as God. And this one lands Daniel as an elderly fellow in the lion's den. Not a uh, comfortable place at all. I, already my knees are hurting just thinking about it. Um, but Daniel later has a vision of the four kingdoms in the times of the Gentiles. And he has a more detailed dream about the end times that uh, many of us have heard many, many details on. And then in chapter 9 of the book of Daniel, Daniel has a vision of the 70 weeks. Once we get into those prophetic books, uh, the, Daniel's actually really good to tell us where we are. We sort of time warp back. And uh, he tells us in what year of which reign it was that these things were occurring. So that brings us to today's encounter with a heavenly being, and we'll unpack that more. Brian, we come to chapter 10, and we see this is during the reign of King Cyrus. But we need to remember, too, this is years since the beginning of the book of Daniel, from Daniel chapter 1, when we see him as a young man. Yeah, we think he's in his 80s, probably. Oh, indeed. And so that's the context I want us to remember. So this is what it says in Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of King Cyrus of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. The message was true and was about a great conflict. He understood the message and had, had, had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three full weeks. I didn't eat any rich food, no meat or wine entered my mouth, and I didn't put any oil on my body until the three days were over. Guys, let me ask you a question here. There's a reference here to the great conflict. That's what the message is about. What do we know about this great conflict? We don't know. We don't know exactly what it is. We don't know if it's political or spiritual. We know that Cyrus has made it possible for the people to return to their homeland. So it may have had some connection to that. It may have, um, so it could, it could have been political. Uh, it could have been spiritual. There are spiritual dynamics at play. So in all likelihood, it, it's easy to see where uh, a spiritual conflict is what he has in mind. And it can be both. Sure could be. And but we see his response to this, where it says there in verse 2 that Daniel was in mourning for three weeks. Uh, whatever the news was, it really got his attention. It raises a question for us to, I think, one we probably worth discussing discussing in our groups, and that is, what do we do? How do we respond when we hear bad news? It's a it's an important message for us to hear, uh, to and to to see the example of Daniel. He he immediately goes to prayer. Um, our tendency tends to be, well, we can't can't figure out anything else to do. We've exhausted all all of our uh, possible answers. So the last thing, now all we can do is pray is kind of how we are. Daniel appears to immediately turn to God. Uh, and look to him. Yeah. Good for Daniel. I think most of us do see prayer as a, a last resort. I've tried everything I can on my own. Now only God can help. Well, maybe God could have helped there from the beginning and you wouldn't have had to work so hard with your own attempts. I'm thinking of this more the context of watching the news as opposed to hearing something from a friend who's about illness or something. But watching the news tends to can be a very passive event, can be. Uh, so I don't I, I, I'm convicted that I don't 
feel like praying at that. I don't think about praying at that point. But what we tend to do as we watch the news that we can't do anything about, we want to rant. <laughs> we want to get mad. And what Daniel is reminding me here is when you have that, that news that's troubling, instead of ranting, pray. So there's a reference, obvious. It, it, he doesn't use fasting, but he describes fasting, right? He said he didn't eat any rich food, no meat or wine entered my mouth. So do you think that means he didn't eat anything at all or just he curtailed his diet? Well, if there's no meat, that's fasting from my perspective. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I love it. I'm just an observation I, I see here in that verse where he didn't eat any rich food. Grant, he is fasting. He's he's holding back because he's in mourning and he's, his attention is focused on God. But I, I read that in light of Daniel chapter one, where Daniel and the his three friends they're they're in this training season. And the, they're, they're supposed to eat the food that's put in front of them. And they chose in that moment just you know basically the water and vegetables. Uh, but I want us to see here is I think that water vegetable diet, which was good for them, was probably just during that season, those, those years of that training. But once the training was over, Daniel had an option, his own choices of what he could eat. Uh, and so what I see here is he's fasting and he's making this, we're making this observation that he's not eating, but he's laying off the rich foods and the meats and the wines. Uh, but that leads me to think that there were times uh, after Daniel chapter one that he probably did eat rich food. He did eat meat. He did eat wine, but it was never in violation of the Old Testament dietary laws, which he was determined to keep. Yeah, I was going to say, if he could keep his own uh, menu, I'm sure he made sure that the things that he felt like would offend God were kept off of it. Well, what happens is, as Daniel has setting us the context of this morning, he's, uh, he's three full weeks of mourning and, and we see fasting. We're going to skip down to read verse 10. But what I want to see in the, in the verses that we're, we're kind of just hopping over is that Daniel has this vision. He, has this, he sees this man who's dressed in linen, belt of gold around his waist. And he's the only one of, of those who's in this company. He's the only one who sees this vision and he's powerless. He, he heard the, they heard words. He was like, he was in a deep sleep. So uh, just from our past uh, sessions, not unusual that Daniel was the only one who saw or who understood or who interpreted. So I don't think that that's the surprise element. I think it's the description of the, um, of the vision it, uh, is unique, but that's, that Daniel was the only one who saw it is not. How's that? That's well said. So this is what he says in verse, uh, records in verse 10. Suddenly a hand touched me and set me shaking on my hands and knees. He said to me, Daniel, you are a man treasured by God. Understand the words I am saying to you. So stand up on your feet, for I have now been sent to you. After he said this to me, I stood trembling. Don't be afraid, Daniel, he said to me, for from the first day that you purposed to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your prayers were heard. I have come because of your prayers. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me after I'd been left there with the kings of Persia. All right, the question that comes to mind, who is this individual? Was this a pre-incarnate Christ? Was it an angel? 
Who was this who was speaking to Daniel? It seems to me that at this stage, that this is probably the messenger. This is probably an angel. Uh, That's what I lean toward in this part of the passage. I I may shift when we get to a later part of the passage, Um, but uh, it's the one who was sent. So um, Daniel has had other, um, in in the book of Daniel, there have been other times when he has uh, conversed and seen angels. It would not surprise me that that there was maybe an element of familiarity here. Yeah, our writer um, kind of nails it on Gabriel, kind of leans heavily toward that. And, um, you know, when we see a message coming from God to an individual, oftentimes that is true. So I guess I would lean that way. I'm always a little hesitant. I don't see theophanies under every rock and even less so Christophanies. And the fact that this messenger says he needs help from Michael, uh, the archangel, makes me think it's probably um, an angel of lesser standing than Michael. Certainly makes sense. I mean, we think about if this was a, a Christophan, it was Christ coming to speak to Daniel. He probably wouldn't need help opposing <laughs> when he faces opposition. <laughs> that <Yeah>. was my thought. <laughs> Let's look at this passage in light of this idea of spiritual warfare. What does this passage teach us about the nature of spiritual warfare? Well, there's a whole lot more going on around us than we realize is going on around us, right? I think we can, we're safe in saying that. And it's amazing the picture you see here of what spiritual warfare looks like. Now, I'm not saying this is what we all experience day by day, these angelic battles going on behind the scenes, but we don't know. But you're right. It shows us that there is a larger picture of spiritual warfare than what we just we might imagine. Uh, three weeks, 21 days, they seem to be the same. And so the period of time when Daniel was mourning, when he was fasting or not eating rich foods and wine, uh, at that, while that is going on, there is this spiritual battle going on that he is unaware of. And uh, Tony Evans has been one that has pushes us toward Ephesians uh, six twelve that there is this there are these spiritual battles going on unseen uh, that we are unaware of um, that uh, it's the battles that we face are not flesh and blood but uh, spiritual entities in battle and um, again we don't always talk about those things especially probably in the circles that we run in. Uh, But uh, uh, it's a reality. Brian, you uh, served for a time um, on uh, as a foreign missionary. I'm just curious as to what your experience was in regard to uh, spiritual warfare that may be different from what uh, we most Christians in the United States uh, deal with or face uh, today. Yeah, we didn't encounter... um things that just blew me away, like some of the stories I was hearing out of Africa in uh, tribal conditions and uh, some of the um, some of the folk uh, uh, religions that were going on there. But we did encounter folk Islam um, in many cases. I was kind of prepared to deal with Muslims at the mosque and standard Islam or whatever, but I, I was not prepared for witches brews and uh, sacrifices of animals to 
demonic beings and uh, all of these kind of things, wild uh, whirling dervish dances taking place in the desert and stuff like that. And though I didn't have a lot of direct encounters, um, we dealt with a lot of people who were picking up the pieces because they had uh, had these encounters and we were trying to sort out their worldview and to help them to see that, that Christ rules over all and that all of those things uh, are really much lesser powers. And we would certainly agree that spiritual warfare, like we're seeing here, is not simply relegated to those areas, uh, as Brian, that you've mentioned, like in Africa, places like this. Spiritual warfare happens here in suburbia America. Uh, it's just oh, sure. uh, we're, we're, we face spiritual forces as well. Uh, what I love about this passage, what it tells me about spiritual warfare is the role prayer plays in this, the role God allows us to have in this, where uh, the, the messenger said to Daniel, your prayers were heard and I have come because of your prayers. Our prayers really are part. Whether Daniel had a good theology of spiritual warfare or not, he was in the thick of battle and he was taking part in it. That's for sure. Of course, we have a lot more insights from the New Testament, which uh, talks a lot about spiritual warfare. The Apostle Paul, uh, certainly in Ephesians, um, Chris was referencing earlier. I mean, he tells us how to put on our battle. He talks about those different elements of defense and how to go on offense. So it's certainly not something we should ignore. We would agree that spiritual warfare is real. Not just then, but now. Um, that, um, uh, I think, uh, some of, I was, um, uh, I was a little surprised when I read this passage at the message that, uh, that came to Daniel where the, the, right out of the gate, uh, he hears these words, you are a man treasured by God to experience that kind of affirmation in the midst of a uh, a season of spiritual battle, a season of mourning, um, a season of I've I've just seen something. I've just had this vision. And I don't know how to process it. Uh, for the message from God to be, uh, God values you. You you are treasured uh, by God. Um, it's a great affirmation. Yeah, that's a good word. I'm, I'm reminded also of uh, something my wife used to say that really would disarm me. We were a young married couple, uh, argued uh, quite a bit. Um, of course, you know, we're mature now, godly. We haven't had an argument in who knows how many decades. But uh, uh, then... Now you are being facetious. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am. I am. <laughs> but they were worse then. And uh, we didn't handle them as well. But she would stop me and say... I am not the enemy. And I would, that would disarm me. And I would think, you know, she's really not. There is something more going on here. And the enemy certainly has a target on marriages and on parenting. And we see that in our broader culture. And if we would just stop and realize that more often, I think we would get ourselves out of a world of hurt. That's true. I am not one to look for a demon under every rock. But there is a reality to spiritual warfare. But what I love, and it's what we see here with Daniel, is that when we're under spiritual attack, God does not abandon us. That is that that is so powerful. And and truly with that, 
spiritual battle, standing in, in spiritual battle, really doesn't depend on us. It depends on God. Let me take us to verse 16. Suddenly, one with human likeness touched my lips. I opened my mouth and said to the one standing in front of me, My Lord, because of the vision, anguish overwhelms me and I am powerless. How can someone like me, your servant, speak with someone like you, my Lord? Now I have no strength and there is no breath in me. But then the one with the human appearance touched me again and strengthened me. He said, don't be afraid. You are treasured by God. There's that phrase again, Chris. Peace to you. Be very strong. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. So this feels like it's something, someone different than the original uh, person or angel that spoke to Daniel. He references he had a human appearance. Um, message is a lot the same. Um, but for me, this feels like feels like it's different than what we read um, in verses 10 through 13. What do you all think? Yeah, I think if we're going to see a Christophany, um, I think this is the place to, to see that. And um, certainly, you know, the, the terms that he uses, he does seem to be introducing a new figure and uh, and what that person has done for Daniel. Um, seems to be mu- very much in line with what Jesus does as a deliverer, as a strengthener. So you, you have mentioned theophany, uh, Christophany as a term that you've used as well. Uh, let's be sure that we're being precise in our language so that people understand what that is. And let's talk about Daniel 3 um, as a reference point for that as well. Okay, so Daniel 3, we're talking about the fourth person in the fire there. Yes. Oh, man. I mean, you know, we'd lose half our worship songs if we lost that as a Christophany, right? <laughs> um, sure. I mean, a theophany is, you know, an appearance of God um, that a- appears to be in, in, in the form of a, of a, a human being. Um, a Christophany, I mean, I think that's where we would say uh, this, is, uh, this is an entrance of the pre-incarnate Christ into our world. And um, there have been different scholars who have been very strong in teaching on that. And it makes sense to me. The scripture is not real clear on it. So, you know, I, I want to hold it loosely, but um, I, I'm, I'm a believer. There is a phrase you see periodically in, in stories in the Old Testament where it refers to the angel of the Lord. And Lord, in that sense, is that small caps, meaning literally the angel of Yahweh. And I know that a lot of scholars, when they see that phrase, they're looking at as a, uh, a theophany or a Christophany, that it's the angel of the Lord. That's not just an angel from the Lord. That is the, that is the Lord. Mm. Uh, whether you talk in terms of God or in terms of Christ, that is God himself. So Abraham had several encounters like this in Genesis. Uh, it appears that uh, Isaac and Jacob, uh, both had these kind of experiences as well. Moses, um, when he is at the burning bush, Moses on the mountain. Um, Samuel, when God uh, calls him in First uh, Samuel 3. Um, Isaiah 6 is another example of 
someone being in the presence of God, all of these would be referred to as some type of theophany, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a good measure for me is if the person offers worship to the being and um, and is not chastised for it, that worship is received, then to me that's a pretty good indication that it's the Lord. Uh, because when we see uh, folks try and worship other people, godly people or angels, we see them rebuke, receive a rebuke and say, hey, don't worship me. And so uh, that doesn't happen in this case. Well, what I've, I find fascinating in this passage is this emphasis, Chris, that you've already mentioned, where he says, hey, you don't need to be afraid. You're treasured by God. And that which God treasures, he's going to take care of. So his comment is just peace. Be strong. Daniel did not need to be afraid because he was treasured by God and the one who treasured him was taking care of him. I appreciate appreciate you uh, making those statements. Um, what what a remarkable passage for for Daniel after seeing this vision to have an angel say to him and then to have this 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 experience of the presence of God where he hears these same words. Um, don't be afraid. Your treasures by God. I, I come to give you peace. Be strong. Um, just an amazing passage for us. And the principle there for us, Chris, is that God will strengthen us as we pray. God will strengthen us as we engage in spiritual battle. This is just not just an Old Testament story. It's for us today. I, I, and I hope that's what happens in our groups, that people are reminded of there are, there are, there are seasons when there is great difficulty when we need to hear those words, don't be afraid. There, in those seasons, we need to be reminded: um, God treasures you; He's with you; um, He will give you peace. Don't you don't have to do this on your own? God will give you strength. Um, all all of those messages that were true for Daniel are true for us as well. Yeah, to know your identity in Christ um, is so huge. I mean, the world will give you many other identities that they want you to own, but uh, God says that we are treasured, and that'll change the way that we live. Good word. Well, this brings us to the conclusion of this session and this study. Uh, We're grateful that you have uh, been a part of this. Let me remind you, we live in a world that is far from God, And we need to stay true. We need to be faithful to God. We need to look to him for help and hope and know that the promises that Daniel experienced, uh, we can experience as well. So next week, we're going to be starting a new study called Confident in the Face of Hard Questions. And so as I'm thinking about how we, we, this study today about dealing in a spiritual battle, there's going to be times in our life that we encounter people out there who don't view the Bible, don't view Jesus the same way we do. And we may feel under attack, but just because they don't see things the way we do, they don't have a biblical worldview. Well, what this study we're going to start next week, confident in the face of hard questions, is we're going to see what the Bible says about some of the questions people ask. It's like, is there really a, is there really truth? How can we know there is one truth? Is, is our miracles relevant? Do all people go to heaven? Is there a hell? We're going we're gonna to deal with some challenging questions, but our goal is to be able to stand confidently in the face of those questions. So let me just offer you this, that there is a 
promotional video that you can get online. It's free. It's a 60-second, easy, quick download. But I want you to grab this video and share it. Share it with your friends. Share it with those in your class and ask those in your class to share it. You are free to disseminate this video any way and every way you want to use it. Oftentimes in my church, we have shown it during the worship service as an encouragement for people to get involved in a Bible study. Go to BibleStudiesForLife.com slash Adult Extra. And you just go to that page slash Adult Extra and you'll see You'll see uh, some features we do have called extra, but you'll see promotional video listed right there with the study. As again, let me let me assure you, you are free to use that any and every way you want to use that, because we want to help you get the word out to get people involved in Bible study. And certainly next week to begin thinking about building confidence in the face of hard questions. Brian, thank you for joining Chris and I for this podcast. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Uh, inviting me. And uh, we hope all of you have a great Bible study this week. <laughs>